How we doing, Rich Church? Awesome. Well, hey, happy Easter to you. We're so glad uh, you're here today. My name is Bobby. If I've not had a chance to meet you yet, uh, I'd love to do that after the service uh, if you want, or you can just bolt on right out of here. But I'm just here to tell you Shoney's will be full, okay? So uh, you, you can take your time, hang out a little bit. Uh, it's all good. Well, hey, again, uh, we're just glad that you're here with us today on Easter Sunday, here to celebrate uh, a resurrected Savior. And so I just want to be upfront and honest with you and just kind of just let you know this up front. I just want to put my, my cards on the table out here for you. Um, I believe with all of my heart, and I don't know if you believe this or not, or maybe you struggle to believe this, or maybe you've thought about this, but this is what I believe. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus changes lives. I believe that. I believe that. And I don't believe that because uh, the Bible told me so, although it does. Like, it's in there. If you read it, it's, it's there. We see it. But I don't, I don't believe that because just because the Bible tells me so. I believe it because I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen it, uh, I've seen it with me. I've seen it with many of you. And I, I don't have to know anything about you to believe that it can happen to you because I know me. I know what's inside of my heart. I know my thoughts. I know the things that I've done. I know the things that I've said. I've known the things, I know the things that I've done to others. And because I know those things, because I know what's inside of my own heart, and I know that God chooses to love me, then I also know, and I don't need, again, I don't need to know anything about you to know this, that he, can, that he loves you too. That he loves you too. That he chooses to love you. He doesn't love you because he's just trying to tolerate you. Like, nobody wants that, right? We don't want a God that just tolerates us. No, he loves you. He loves you. And you see today, today being Easter Sunday, today being the day that that we celebrate a resurrected Savior, today is the day that, that we can look back and we can say that today is the day, today is the reason why we know that God loves us. You see, because Jesus, God, he, in the flesh, he entered into the mess of humanity. And let's be honest, it's never been more of a mess than it is right now, right? But he entered into the the mess of humanity, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And he walked this earth, he lived a, a sinless, perfect life, and then he was murdered on a cross. And then three days later, today, this day, Easter Sunday, three days later, He was risen by the Spirit of God. He is alive, and he is still alive. He ain't in there. It is still empty. The tomb is still empty today, and we celebrate that today, and it's because of that. I look at the cross, and I see that God had a plan for you and me. God, that we see the cross, and we see that God had a plan for us. You see, when, when the world was fractured by sin, when we go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 3, the creation of the world, we see that God's perfect world was fractured and broken by sin, and God set forth a plan. He always had a plan. The cross was the plan. And so we know that he had a plan for us. And then on Easter Sunday, the day that Christ is, was raised from the dead, we see that he completed the plan that he completed the plan. And so today we gather here on on Easter Sunday and we come together to to celebrate that. And here's what I I know about you, that that there are uh, many of you here that that's you, you believe that, like you're all about that. You're like, yes and amen, Jesus is who he said he was, like he's going to do everything that he said that he promised us that he would do. He is alive, he is Savior. There are some of you, you believe that and you're good with that. Others of you, you're here today and, and you're not so sure. 
you think maybe, well, he might have done this and he might have done that. He was a really good teacher. He'd done some, you know, he, he did some really good things. And maybe, maybe, you know, maybe he's alive. I don't know. Maybe. And then there are others of you and, you know, you just, it's, you just think it's not for you. It's just not your thing. But you're here today, and I just want you to know, like, we're so glad that you're here. In fact, we, we are excited that you're here, and I hope that you'll come back next week. Next week, we start a, a great series. I think it's going to be helpful for all of us. It's called Family Feud. Any, anybody ever fought with their family? Any, well, that should be all of us, right? Like, and so, like, any time that you've ever had any kind of relational conflict with him or her or them or, you know, those people, you know those people, right? We talk about those people. We all have those people. Well, we're going to talk about those people in the ne- uh, starting next week in this new series called Family Feud, and, and we would love to have you back for that, regardless of what you think about Jesus and who he is and what he's done. But here's, here's what I know about, about some of us is that, that you're here today and, and, and you're here for, you know, a lot of different reasons. Like, some of you are here because Rich Church, you're, you're here, you know, most Sundays, and so it's, you're here, right? Others of you, it's Easter Sunday, and so you're fulfilling some kind of family obligation, right? You know, you here, you're getting a free lunch out of it. That's awesome. Like, get the steak, okay? Like, make, make sure, like, you take full advantage of that whole thing right there, right? And others of you, Others of you, you're, you're here, somebody invited you and, and, and you, you came or you saw an invite online or something. And l- listen, I just want you to know, like regardless, I, it, to me it doesn't matter why you're here. We're just glad you're here. We're just glad you're here. And we want you to know that you're, you're welcome here, regardless of what you believe. My, my job today is not to convince you to believe what I believe. My job today is just to, to show you simply this, is that God loves you, that he loves you. And you see, for some of you, you don't have a problem believing that maybe Jesus was who he said he was, that he resurrected from the dead. Like, maybe you don't have a problem with that. What you have a problem with is you have a problem with that statement, is that God loves you, because you know you. Like, you think about yourself, and you know what's inside of your heart, just like I know what's inside of my heart. You know what you've done. You know the things that you've said. You know the way that you've lived your life recently. You know the way that you've lived your life for most of your life. And you look at a God who is the creator of the universe, and you ask yourself the question, can this God love me? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. So I want to show you a story today, and I want us to look at this story because it, it, it's a familiar story to, to many of you, whether you've read it in the Bible or whether you've sort of just seen it in our culture played out in a lot of different ways. Like this is a, a, a really well-played-out story throughout our culture and not just in the Bible. But I want you to see it, if you're familiar with it, I want you to see it through the lens of the resurrection today. I want you to see it a little differently, maybe a, a, a little bit more uh, fresh than, than you've seen it before. And so if you have a Bible, open it up to Luke chapter 15. That's in the New Testament. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke. If you get to John, take a left. You went a little too far. Come back a little bit, uh, and you'll be at the book of Luke. Uh, it'll also be back here on the screen behind me. You can follow along there. Uh, or if you have your phone and you want to follow along on a Bible app, uh, do that. If you're playing, you know, Clash of Clans or whatever, just turn the volume down. All right, so... Um, Luke chapter 15. I love this story. I love this story. It's the story. There's actually three stories in Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at the last one, the one about the prodigal son. And in the very beginning of Luke 15, Jesus, he's got this crowd of people around him. And I love the crowd of people that's around him because the crowd of people around him, I think all of us in this room, we fall into one of these two categories of the crowd that is actually sitting around Jesus. There were sinners and tax collectors, is what it says. There were sinners and tax collectors sitting there listening to Jesus 
teach. Now, um, I don't have a lot of time to explain like a tax collector. It was like, why is a tax collector like bad? It, it just was bad. Like it was Jewish people stealing and taking money from their own people. Okay, so if you were a tax collector, it was like sinner, really bad sinner, tax collector, right? Like you were, you were at the bottom way down here. And so when the Bible says that there were tax collectors sitting around, it was like some really, really rough crowd sitting around listening to Jesus. And so there was that group of people, right? Which I think a lot of us fall into that category, right? And then there's this other group of people that Jesus is listening to, and it's the Pharisees and the scribes. And so Pharisees and scribes were like religious leaders, uh, people of the law. So uh, these people, they were sitting around, but they were listening to Jesus for a different reason. The sinners and the tax collectors, they were listening to Jesus because they were very interested in what he had to say because they felt like that he was going to say something that was really going to speak to them and help them. But the Pharisees and the scribes, they were listening to Jesus because they wanted to catch Jesus saying something that they could arrest him for. And here's the crazy thing. The story that we're about to read, these are the stories that when Jesus would tell stories like this, these are the things that got him killed. It wasn't because he was healing people. It wasn't because he was making blind people see. It wasn't because he was helping those who could not walk, stand up on their own two feet and walk themselves. That's not what got Jesus killed. Why would you kill a man that could do that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, he was like a walking pharmacy, right? Like sick, cough, bam, healed, right? I mean, like Jesus could do that. Why would you kill a man for that? That's not why they killed him. They killed him because of what we're about to read right here, because of the things that he would say. Because of the, the things, that this picture, this illustration that he would paint of this God that loves you and loves me. And so Jesus tells these three stories to these people sitting around. He tells the first story. The first story is about uh, a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. He's got a hundred sheep and then it says one of the sheep strays off, goes off by itself and the shepherd leaves the 99 and he goes after the one and then when he finds the one he brings it back and it talks about this great celebration that they threw because they found the one. And that was a little weird to the people listening because they were like, yeah, but why would you go after the one when you got 99? Like you got 99, but you know. Anyway, so he's, he's got all of this going on, right? And then he tells another story. He tells a story about a woman who has 10 coins, and one of the coins falls off the table, rolls underneath the couch or the end table, or, you know, if you're at my house, it gets way down into the deep of the cushions, right? And it's gone forever. You'll never find it, right? But it says the woman, she goes and she looks for the one. And these two stories are, they're not about what was lost. They're about what the people go through to find what was lost. So then Jesus tells a third story. And in the third story, this is where people really start to lean in a little bit. This is where the, the sinners and the, the tax collectors really kind of start to, to get in a little bit closer because he starts to talk about things that they can really identify with, things that make sense to them because they see themselves in the story. And then the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, they start to get a little angrier as Jesus tells the story because they think, that the picture of the God that he is painting is inaccurate. So, let's look at this. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. It says this. It says, and he said, this is Jesus talking. He says, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. 
And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. Now, let me stop for just a second, because I want you to sort of just picture what is going on here. As Jesus is telling this story, and he says, so there were two sons, an older brother, a, a, a younger brother, and these two sons, they approached their father. Now, in first century during this time like this did not happen like if the father was still alive the father wasn't giving out any kind of inheritance and so basically what the sons were coming to the father to say is they were walking up to the father and they were saying hey we don't love you we love your stuff and so we'll just take your stuff give us our inheritance give us our money and so essentially they were saying to one another the sons were saying to the father and the father would have been saying to the sons then you are dead to me because you didn't do, like, the only way that you got an inheritance is if the father died. But the father, again, all of a sudden the father says, yeah, here, I'll give you the inheritance. Now, that would have been odd to the people listening because they were like, what kind of father does it? Well, like, what is going on Jesus? Like, what are you doing here? And so he gives them the inheritance. But one of the sons, the younger son, he gets all of his money. He gets all of his things. You, anybody ever been here before? Like, get all of the things. Like, you know what? I'm going to go and do me now. Like, I'm going to go and live my life. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do it my way. And ain't nobody going to tell me how to do it. Ain't nobody going to stop me. I'm just going to go and do it. And that's exactly what he did. He went. And it said that in that time, he ended up squandering all of his money, all of his inheritance in reckless living. Now, here's the crazy thing about that, if you think about that for just a second, is that the son, he didn't make a plan to go and do this. Like, he, he, didn't, he didn't get up one day and go, hey, you know what I'm going to do today? I think I'm going to ruin my life. I think I'm going to do that. In fact, let's put it on Facebook. Let's tell everybody, I'm going out to ruin my life today. Instagram, bam, there I go, you know, on my way. And you know what? Neither did you. Neither did you. You didn't make a plan to do that. And listen to what happened to the son. The son said that after, after he had squandered everything, and in other words, after he had sort of just ruined his life for a little while, after he had given everything away, after he had gone through all of his money, after he had lost his job, after all of that had happened. Listen to this. It says... He found himself in need, and so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a bad job before. That's a bad job, right? And he said, this is his job. That's what he gets to do, to feed pigs. And listen to what it says. It says, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, in other words, when he woke up and realized I'm feeding pigs. Like, I, I didn't have to do this before, but now I'm doing this. Something has gone wrong. He says, when he woke up, when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I sit here, I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And so the son says, you know what? This is ridiculous. Like, I can't, I can't continue to do this. I'm going to go back to my dad. And when I go back to my dad, I just, like, he's not, and here's what I think that a lot of us think. He's not going to love me the same way. 
He's not going to think about me the same way. And so there is no way that he's ever going to accept me the same way that I was before I went and ruined my life and spent all of his money and made a mess of things. Like he can't, he's not going to love me the same, but that's okay. I don't need him to love me the same way. I just need to be on his property. I just need to be close to him. I just need to be in his barn. In fact, I'll just go and I'll work my way back into his graces. That was his plan. And so he takes out a little piece of paper and he starts to write down his little speech. Starts to write down what it is that he's going to say to his dad. You ever done that before? Like messed up with your parents? Be like, I know, I know what I'll do. Like, you know, you come up with this little speech, this grand plan, and in your mind it's worked out beautifully, right? That's what the son does. He's like, here's my plan. This is what I'm going to do. And so he gathers his things. He leaves the pigs. He starts to go back home. Listen to what happens next. Verse 20 says, And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, love this, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Now, as soon as Jesus started to say this, it says, and when he got up and rose and his father saw him from a long way off, like the, the religious leaders and the scribes, they started, they started rubbing their hands together. They started licking their chops a little bit, but they're like, all right, here it comes. Like Jesus dropped the hammer on this joker. Like, let's make this, like do this, like take him down. They're thinking, man, this guy's going to roll up in there, think that he's going to come back to his dad. No, 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 no. That's not the way that it works. Like, off with you. That's what these Pharisees and scribes were saying. You see, the Pharisees and scribes, they had something going on in their hearts that I think a lot of us have sometimes. And that was that they thought that they were squeaky clean on the outside and they had never done anything wrong. And they looked around at the sinners and the tax collectors and all these other people listening to Jesus, and they were looking at them going, I'm not like you. I'm better than you. Like, I've never done the things that you've done. And so that makes me better than you. But what was actually going on inside of them was that they were as filthy and dirty and just as jacked up as everybody else listening. And they didn't hide it as well as they thought. And so they were ready for Jesus to drop the hammer on this guy. But Jesus said the father saw him from a long way off and ran to him and embraced him and kissed him. We'll come back to that in just a second. It says, and the son said to his father, he gets out his piece of paper. He starts to, to, to read his little speech. And if you can hear it in his voice, like he's probably a little nervous. He's probably stuttering a little bit as he begins to, to read the speech. He says, um, um, father, hold on a second. I've messed up right here. Let me go back. I, I don't know what, I, what did I write right here. Oh, I have sinned. And, um, Dad, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I've sinned against you and, and before you, and, and I know that I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he starts to talk, and the, and the father is like, stop. Stop. And he tells him to, to just stop where he's at. He's like, put your speech away. I don't need to hear your speech. I don't need to hear your words. And he says this. He says, but the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hands and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found and they began to celebrate. Get out the red solo cups and strike up the band. It's time to go. They're like, let's do this. They were about to party. And everybody listening to Jesus 
The Pharisees and the scribes, they were mad. And the sinners and the tax collectors, they were probably crying. Like, what kind of dad does this? What kind of father does this? What kind of father would entreat his son, would like bring his son back into his house after he had done that to them? And they could probably see themselves in the story. Just like I think a lot of us can see ourselves in the story. You see, I think there's some common things going on here that that can uh, really speak to all of us. The first thing we see this in the sun is we see this uh, that I think is common to each one of us is is that uh, that there is a, a rebellious heart. That the son had a rebellious heart, just like you and I have a rebellious heart. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but let me just break this news to you. It might upset some, some of you, but here's the thing. Every single one of us in this room has a rebellious heart. None of us in here were born Christians. In fact, when we were born, we were born with this rebellious heart because of the fracturing that took place through Adam and Eve and the sin that entered into the world that has given all of us and made every single one of us sinners. And it also has made every single one of us have the same rebellious heart that led the son to do the things that he did to squander and ruin and jack up his life through reckless living, which would explain why some of us have done the same thing. Maybe explain why some of us are doing that right now or have done that in the past or maybe will do that in the future. It's because of that rebellious heart, that, that sin nature that is within every single one of us. The Bible tells us that, that all of us, that we're like sh- uh, sheep who have gone astray. We have fallen away. And because we have this uh, nature that bends us toward thinking that, that we can do it ourselves or, or that we just think that maybe we can earn our own way by being clean on the outside but, but really just rebelling on the inside. So we have this rebellious heart. Not only that, not only do we have a, a rebellious heart, but um, we see this with the Son is that uh, that rebellious heart sort of leads us to believing and thinking that we can kind of uh, go on a roll. You know what I'm talking about? You ever gone on a roll? Here's, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like when things are going right, when things are going well, like when you're not getting caught when you know that you should be getting caught. Like I'm talking like driving down the turnpike and not getting stopped by the 50 red lights that are on the turnpike. Like they're all green, you know what I mean? Like that only happens once every 30 years here in Oak Ridge, right? Like it never happens. Talking about like driving up to Starbucks and there not being a line, you know? Dunkin' Donuts, McDonald's, whatever it is, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying. So like, like what, whatever it is, I'm just saying like, like everything is going well. Everything is working out. Everything is going right. And so you get on this roll. The son got on a roll. Like everything was going good. He had money in his pocket. He probably had some friends that were around because he had some money in his pocket. He wasn't getting caught. Like things were going fine. But you know what happens to, to a roll is eventually the roll ends, doesn't it? And then there's a drop. You know what the drop is? It's when the bottom falls out. The bottom falls out. That's when the son woke up and realized that, that he was eating with the pigs, that he wanted, like he was so hungry that he actually wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. The bottom dropped out. The roll came to an end. There was a a drop. Things weren't as great as he thought that they were. And it's the moment that you and I, that we realize that the plan we made isn't satisfying all we wanted it to. I think for some of us, it can be drastic like that. 
Kind of like where the son realized that he wanted to just eat what the pigs were eating because he was that hungry. It can be drastic like that for some of us. But I think for a lot of us, it's not as drastic. It's really subtle. And it may be the case for you today is that things, for the most part in your life, are going really well. You might have a nice job. You might have a nice family. You might have, you know, children that don't pee all over everything in your house, right? Like, I mean, you have, like, you just, your kids don't do that, just mine? So they don't do it anymore. Anyway, so like, like, you just like, I mean, things are going like really, really good, but you wake up one day and you realize that things are kind of empty. Something's off. Something doesn't feel right. Um, this is like first year of marriage for me and my wife, Denara. We, um, I remember coming home one day and got home, and, and we had just gotten this new car, and so, you know, we were driving it everywhere. It was great, you know. So I come home, and we had some errands to run, so I'd get home, and, like, we get in the car, and, and she had, you know, been at work earlier that day, and so we get in, you know, her car, and we start to drive off, and as we're driving down the road, like, I look, and I, I notice that the gas light is on in the car, and I don't know what kind of driver you are, but when the gas light comes on in, in my car, like, I stop immediately and get gas. Like, I'm that kind of driver. Like, I'm, I'm that guy. The gas light comes on. I'm like, oh, something's wrong. I need to stop. And you get some gas. And you put some gas in this car, right? That's, that's me when the gas light comes on. Now, some of you, I am very, very jealous of you because when the gas light doesn't come on in your car. Because when it gets down to about half a tank, you're stopping to fill it up, right? That's you. That is, some of you do that. I'm jealous of you. I am not you. Most of us are not you but you're awesome, right? And so that's, that's you. Others of you, though, and this may be a select few of you, you fall into the category that my wife falls into. And that is the category of, I'm about to play a game here when the gas light comes on, and that's how far can I go with the gas light on before this thing runs out of gas, Right? That's the game my wife likes to play. Like, she's doing over-under bets. She's like, ETA says 42. I bet I can get 80. Like, here we go. Like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to figure, you know, I'm going to try to do this. And so we got in the car. The gas light is on. We're driving down the road. And I look, and I, I notice that there's a gas station coming up. And so I'm like, hey, gas light is on. We should stop and get gas. And she's like, no, you don't have to stop and get gas. Keep going. There's better gas down, down the road. And I'm like, how long has the gas light been on? She's like, it just came on. It's not a big deal. Just keep going. I was like, okay, right? So I listened to my wife, and I passed the gas station. And not 10 seconds after I passed the gas station, ka-clunk, ka-clunk, ka-clunk. <laughs> Side of the road, busy highway, out of gas, right? Never happened to me in my entire life before. Hadn't happened since, thankfully. But we're out of gas. I look at my wife, and I was like, so we can make it, huh? You know, she was, she was, it, it was a, a fun conversation. I was like, you know, I said, here's the thing about the gas light. Like, when the gas light comes on, that's an indicator that something is not right, you know? It's kind of like that check oil light or, you know, that check engine light. Like, you should check those things out when it happens. But you know what? Like, that, for some of you, that's, that's right now. The gas light is on. The gas light is on. And it's dinging at you and indicating to you that something is empty, that something is not right, something needs your attention. Where the son comes and he says, he came to himself, he came to his senses. And so the drop happens. But then 
I love what happens next. This is my favorite part. Really, I love what Jesus does here. And this is the thing that gets him killed. These are the things. When he says things like what he says next, these are the things that made people upset. But there, next, there's this amazing, scandalous grace that takes place here. It says that, that the father, he says he arose and he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And I love that it says that the father saw him from a long way off. Do you know what that means for you? That means, I love the picture that Jesus paints with that. What he was saying is he is saying the father was actually watching and waiting for the son to return. Like he wasn't sitting on his front porch and was surprised by the fact that his son had come home. Which means that God is not surprised by the fact that you're sitting in the chair that you're sitting in right now. Do you know that? Like you're not, you didn't, you didn't, you know, just roll up in here undetected today. <laughs> like you thought you did, like you came up in here and you're like, they got connect cards. I ain't filling one of those things out. Ain't nobody going to know I'm here. I'm getting on out of here when it's over, Right? Like, lights will go down, band will start playing, and this is you. <laughs> right? Like, I've been around, I've been around y'all, I know how this works. But here's the thing, like, God, God, God is not, he, like, he's not surprised that you're here right now. You know why he's not surprised that you're here right now? Because he has been watching and waiting for you. He has been looking for you from a long way off. Maybe you have been the one that's been a long way off, and he's been watching and waiting for you to run to you. Not for you to run to him, but for him to run to you and to come to you and to embrace you and hug you and to kiss you and to say, I love you. I've been waiting for you. I've been watching for you. Welcome home. That's exactly what he does with the son. And I love the, the picture that he paints by putting the robe and the ring and the, and the, the shoes on his feet. Because this guy, he, he was living with pigs. He was eating with pigs. And I don't know if you've ever had that job before, but I was talking to a friend of mine, and he said, he asked me the question, he said, have you ever been around pigs? I was like, not really. And he goes, well, let me tell you this, they stink. I was like, okay, uh, tell me about it. He, he, he grew up on a farm, and they had pigs on this farm. And he said, uh, he said, I used, to, um, I used to have to feed the pigs and, like, you know, do everything with the pigs. He said, here's the thing about pigs. He's like, especially when you have a lot of them. He said, you, you never really get the smell off of you. He said, I, I wore glasses, and, and uh, I would have to take my glasses off of my face. I'd take a shower and, you know, everything else and finally get that smell off of me every day. But for some reason, I could still smell something. He said, but here's what I realized. I realized that the smell was actually in my glasses. And so he would have to take his glasses off every day and soak them in vinegar and some other stuff just to get the smell out of his glasses. That's how bad it would stink. And so you can imagine the son rolling up. He's got no shoes on his feet. He's been with the pigs. He smells like the pigs. And the father doesn't even hesitate to put his arms around him and hug him and love him. And then to go, hey, go get the best robe. You see, because the Pharisees and the scribes, what they were waiting for the father to do is to go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Like, I just caught a whiff of you. Hold on a second. You need to go clean yourself up first. You stink. See, but the father wasn't waiting on the son to clean himself up. The father was going to clean up his son. 
He's not waiting for you to clean yourself up. He's not waiting for you to get your life straight. He's not waiting for you to leave here today and go take care of a few things and then maybe you'll come to church or then maybe you'll give your life to Christ or then maybe you'll start to pray or then maybe you'll start to read the Bible. He's not waiting on you to do that. He's saying, welcome home. Here's a robe. I'll clean you up. So he puts the robe on him and then he puts a ring on his finger and the ring was the family ring which meant, I am yours and you are mine. And then he puts shoes on his feet because no son of his was going to walk around without shoes on his feet. And then they celebrate. And see, and everybody listening to this story, the sinners and the tax collectors just would have been in awe of a father that would do such a thing. And the religious people, they, they were angry. They were mad. Because that's not the way that you, like, you didn't get away with stuff. You had to pay the penalty for all the wrong that you had done. But Jesus said, no, no, no. That's not this father. This father loves with an amazing grace. I got a speeding ticket once. Just once. Never happened again. Um, But uh, I got a speeding ticket once. And, um... I remember having to go to court, and, uh, you know, so I show up to court, and I get there, and I sit in the very back, and the courtroom is at, it's full of people, like just tons of people in there. And the judge is up there, and, like, he's having a bad day. Like, he needed a hug or something. I wasn't going to give him a hug, but he needed a hug. And he's up there, and, like, everybody that comes up there, he's like, guilty, bam, fine, guilty, bam, fine. Like, everybody's getting a fine. And so I'm sitting there, and I just pull out my checkbook, and I'm just like, I'm going to go ahead and fill this thing out, like... It ain't gonna happen. Like, I'm not gonna roll up in there and be like, so hey, how about you have that officer calibrate that thing? Like, that wasn't gonna happen. Like, that, you know, we weren't gonna do that thing. Like, I was just gonna pay the penalty and, you know, pay the fine and get on out of there. And so finally, like, I just, like, all of these people, and finally, like, I, I finally get called to the bench. And so I approach the bench and go up to, to him, and he's looking at this piece of paper, and he looks at me, and he goes, he's not done this with anybody else, but he looks at me, and he goes, hey, tell me about yourself. I'm just like, me? He's like, yeah, tell me about yourself. So I tell him about myself, and, you know, we start to have this conversation, and he's looking at the piece of paper, and I know what's on the piece of paper, right? Like, I know what's on there, but I'm also a little afraid of what might be on there that I don't know what's on there, but he's reading something off the piece of paper, and he goes, so uh, where do you work? I was like, oh, God. Uh, He's like, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And he goes, yeah, I see that. Uh, Now, where is it that you work? I was like, First Baptist Church down here, down the street. I didn't. I was just kidding. But I didn't say that, though. But uh, so I told him, I was like, uh, you know, Ridge Church, we're sinners. It's awful. And uh, (laughs) he's... he's, He he looks at it. He goes, goes, yeah, I, I see that. He goes, so you'll understand this really well. And this is what he said. I'm, I have no idea what he's about to say. He goes, you'll, you'll get this. You'll understand this really well. He said, did you, did you break the speed limit? And I was like, yes. And he goes, so in other words, you're guilty. Yes, I'm guilty. And then he goes, okay, so you broke the law. You're guilty. And so what should be the result of you breaking the law and being guilty? And I said, well, there's, I guess there's a fine to pay. Like, I'm, you know, uh, hopefully not going to jail. But like, you know, I'm just like, I don't know what he's about to do. And so I told him, I said, I said well, I guess I, I have to pay the, the fine. He goes, you have to pay the penalty. I was like, yes. And he goes, hmm, well, what would it be called if I were to say to you, and he paused for a minute, and I was like, oh, what is he going to say? And he goes, what, what would it be called if I said to you that you're free to go? 
And I stopped for a second and kind of had tears in my eyes, and I said, that would be called grace. And he said, yes. He says, now go and sin no more, or speed. <laughs> and he tapped his little gavel, and I walked away, and like, I was kind of like stopped. I was like, so I don't need to, he's like, okay, good. He's like, <clears throat> <laughs> he was just like, get on out of my courtroom. See, but that's what grace is. That's what grace is. Because every single one of us has done what the Son has done. We've lived recklessly. We've done some things that we didn't want to do. We've ended up in places that we didn't want to be. We've been in places and done things and said things that we never thought we would do or say or be. But the Father runs to us and embraces us and says, Welcome home. You see the cross on Easter Sunday today, this day, the cross. The cross is the picture of that. Where Jesus stepped into our place to pay the penalty for that for us. And then three days later was risen by the Spirit of God and is alive today to say, Hey, I did that for you. I did that for you. Welcome home. Welcome home. I love what Paul says. I'll close with this. Paul says this in Ephesians 2. Verse 4, he says, but God, this is him flipping the script. The first three verses right before this is talking about how we've been uh, dead in our sin, dead in our trespasses. We were, we were dead spiritually. He says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great what? Love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins. In other words, when we couldn't do it on our own, when we couldn't fix it ourselves, when we wandered, when we thought that he didn't made us alive together with Christ, and it is by grace you have been saved. And so what do we do with this? Well, I think the only thing that we can do, the only thing that we should do, is respond. What do you do with a man who was dead and is alive again? The only thing you can do is to respond. So let's do that. We're going to sing a song. We're going to take communion together as we, we do each and every week when we come together to, to worship. We're going to take communion, but today may be a little different for you. Maybe today you take communion for the very first time. Maybe today you take communion as a follower of Christ. Maybe today you take communion for the first time in a long time because you're coming back home. You're home. Would you pray with me? Would you just close your eyes and pray with me for just a m- moment? Maybe you're here today and you're not sure if Jesus is who he says he is. You're not sure about this resurrection thing. You're curious, but you're not sure. There is no formality to, to how we pray. It's, it's us speaking to a holy God, to, to a Father. And so if that's you, you're not real sure, but you're curious. I'll just ask you again, there's no formality to this. I just want to ask you in your own words, right where you sit, right now, would you just say something to God and just say, God, I'm curious about you. And you just say that however you want to say it. There are others of you, you're here this morning, and, and you've, you've been gone for a long time. Like maybe it was last Easter since the last time you were in church, or last Christmas, or a lot of Easter's, or Christmases, or days, or weeks, or years ago. Maybe it's been a long time. Maybe, you're, maybe for you, it's just you saying to God, God, I want to come back home. You're like the sun where you've 
woke up, you've realized that something is empty, something is off, something is not right, and you just need to say, God, God, I want to come back home. And yet others of you, maybe, maybe you've never really prayed to God. Maybe you've never asked Him to be your Savior. But I want you to know this. He loves you. He's not waiting for you to clean yourself up. He's not waiting for you to get your life together. That's why he puts the robe on you when you're messy and dirty. Maybe you just need to pray and just say, Jesus, I'm home. Save me. Rescue me. I want you, Father. And yet, last but not least, others of us, we're just here to celebrate a resurrected Savior today. Do you take a few moments and just thank him for that? Just to say thank you for all he's done in you, through you, and for you. And we're going to sing a song in just a moment. We just ask you to, to take that next step and to respond. Father, we love you so much, God, for all that you've done here today. God, all that you continue to do. God, we pray that as, as many of us maybe speak to you for the first time in a long time or maybe for the first time ever, God, God, we know that you hear us and we know that you've seen us from a long way off. God, let us feel the love that you have for us, the love that you gave for us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as we take a few moments to just sing this song and and take communion together? We have the the blood of of Christ as the juice and and the, the bread as his broken body. And we just invite you to come and take communion with us. And how cool would it be for you maybe to to be taking communion for the first time as a follower of Christ or for the first time in a long time because you've come back home. Or as you take communion today to just think about this picture, this illustration of his sacrifice, his poured out blood for you, his broken body for you. We want you to know that Amanda and Steve are right over here and they would love to pray with you if you want to pray with someone. You're welcome to stay right where you're at as well. But as we sing this song together, let's give it everything we've got. Let's respond to a holy God.